Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline with sleep consultant Joe Ryan. Joe is here to help answer any of the questions you might have. Regardless of what's happening around the country, babies continue to not sleep through the night, not eat what you want them to eat, and toddlers continue to have tantrums. So Joe's here to answer all your questions. You have a few ways you can ask them. Today, if you're watching us live via the Facebook page, you just pop your questions below the video. Or if you're listening to us via the podcast, just send us an email to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we will get to your question next week. Hello, Joe. How how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah. Welcome. Now, I have to preface this episode by saying that we have a ton of questions. So we're going to do our very best to get to them all, but we do only have half an hour. So we'll try and help as many people as we can. Um, but apologies if we don't get through to all the questions. Um, we will start with an email from Fiona. She says, hi, ladies, love the show. My question today is around dropping day nap and bedtime. My little one is two years and eight months, and we have recently dropped the day nap, replaced with quiet time on the couch. The first week we dropped the nap, we put him to bed at 7 p.m. It used to be 7.30, and he has been falling asleep straight away and waking up between 6, 6.30 a.m. in the morning, which is great. My question is, when or how do we get him back to a 7.30 p.m. bedtime like it used to be on one nap? Thanks so much. From Fiona. Okay, well, my question would be why do they want it to be 7.30? Because 7 is great, right? Like the earlier the better in my books. <laughs> but um, if it works better for the family, um, I would just give him some time to adjust because dropping the day nap is a big change for toddlers, particularly because they're very busy and energetic and they're doing a lot. So I would just give it some time and maybe just, you know, once he's been doing that kind of sleeping from 7 till 6.30 and he's coping okay, you know, just gently, um, you know, uh, put him bed, down, down to bed maybe 15 minutes later, you know, so start at 7.15 and see if that affects how long he sleeps for because often if they go to bed too late or a bit overtired, they'll shorten their night sleep so they'll wake earlier. So I would test it out by that. So do 7.15 for maybe five days or a week and then you could, you know, stretch it to 7.30 that way. But, yeah, um, that's what I would do. Give him time. Yes. Okay. This one comes from Jenny in our helpline group. She says, firstly, a huge thank you for this helpline. I love it and all the useful tips. My 12-week-old has extended his night sleep from 7 p.m. to 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. with a dream feed at 10 p.m. Our designated wake time is 7 a.m., but to achieve this, I feed him at 6 a.m. like a middle-of-the-night feed and put him back in his bassinet at approximately 6.15 a.m. I then get him up at 7 a.m. to start the day. Should I try just resettling him at 6am and delay feeding until 7am or do I continue as is? Will he eventually extend his sleep until 7am on his own? Thank you for any advice. That's from Jenny. Okay, Jenny. Well, I mean, I think that expecting a baby to sleep to a particular time in the morning is, is, is slightly unreasonable. We're all different. You know, some babies will sleep, sleep till 7 but most wake earlier than that, you know. So I think we need to be a bit 
um, adaptive to that and understand the way they work. So I think if your baby is sleeping from 7pm till 6am with one dream feed at 12 weeks, I mean, that is pretty good, you know, pretty good. So I, what I would do is I would get up at six, you know, and start your day. And then that might work better for them, for the baby in order for their day naps. Because if you put them down again for an hour nap or even, you know, 45 minute nap at that time of the day, often they think that's their first morning nap of the day. And then the rest of the day goes a bit pear shaped. So um, you could try resettling or keep them in their bed for as long as, you know, you can and then get them up even if it's about 6.30 and start your day then. But remember, if they've been awake for an hour before you get them up, you need to take that into account because they're still quite little at only 12 weeks old. But, yeah, I would just go with them. You know, they will let you know how much sleep they need. And as I say, that's pretty good for that age. In fact, it's excellent. I know. Well, I didn't want to be a... a, a party pooper but my kids <laughs> still don't sleep till seven and they're six and eight yeah but, uh, like you said yeah. all children are different who knows and what we're all different I'm a terrible morning person you know whereas <laughs> I don't like getting up early and never have whereas you know I've got friends who are up at the crack of dawn and that's just the way they've always been exactly yeah. that's so true this next question comes from Lisa on our Facebook Live. Hi, Lisa. She says, hi, Joe. I would like to know how to transition an 18-month-old from being held, rocked to sleep to falling asleep by herself in her cot. And how do I transition her from a cot to a bed? Okay. Well, firstly, I wouldn't be doing that right now. Okay. So 18 months is very young to be put into a bed. Um, they still, babies and young toddlers really need that containment if that's what they're used to. They, they lose their sense of security if they've moved too early. So my recommendation is to keep them in a cot for as long as you possibly can because when they move too young, as I say, they lose their security and often they'll start to wake more and it will upset their sleeping. And if they learn to get out, they will just be out of that bed all the time. Um, in terms of uh, dropping the rocking to sleep, um, obviously you've been doing it for a long time because they're 18 months old. So it needs to be a bit of a process, but I would start by gently um, sitting beside your baby and putting them down, like maybe holding them till they're um, sleepy, then pop them down and maybe just pat. And you can do a bit of picking up and putting down and ultimately working towards them falling asleep in the bed or in the cot, not on you. And then you'll find that once they've done that, they're very clever and, and they learn stuff very quickly, but we've got to show them what we're expecting or what, you know, they can do. So, you know, and be you need to expect that she's not going to be happy about it. Is she, she or he? Anyway, that they're not going to be happy about it um, because they've never done it. So they're going to be like, well, what is this? This is not the way I go to sleep. So just gentle little steps, so pulling them down, picking them up, so them getting used to being in the cot, you know, at that time as well. You can, set, you can soothe in the cot by patting, stroking, you know, picking up when distressed and put back down and just keep working on that and eventually they, you know, they will get it. Um, but it, is, it will be a process and it will take a few weeks to get there. I'm feeling for her arms and back. Yeah, that's a I was long a rocker. Time. I yeah. rock my baby. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time to be rocking a baby to sleep. And at 18 months, yeah. say they're heavy. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck. I sincerely yeah, luck. hope that uh, for your sake, Lisa, it gets easier. Mm. You follow those steps from Joe. This email comes from Kevin. He says, 
Hi, I'm looking for some real help with my soon-to-be two-year-old son. He's a really bad eater. Every meal is a struggle for me and my wife. Sometimes he doesn't eat at all and cries and freaks out when we give him new foods, like different textures or coloured foods. He's been like this for over eight to ten months now, and he doesn't seem to get any better. We both feel anxious at eating time with him because it's such a struggle. We have run out of ideas of foods to give him because he only eats very few foods, very plain food, just like uh, like rice or pasta. When he was a baby eating solid foods, he was eating everything, all types of foods. We had no issues. But since he turned one, he's been really fussy with food. He doesn't like new food at all, freaks out and cries. He only likes certain types of food. So for breakfast, he usually just eats toast and some fruit, mainly blueberries and strawberries. Lunch is just plain pasta. He can't have any vegetables in it because he'll pick them out um, if he, and, and not eat them if he sees them. Dinner is plain rice with egg or pasta again. We tried to put meat, vegetables in the rice or pasta, but he didn't like it. We're both a breaking point with what to feed him. We really need help or advice on what to do. We give him multivitamins because he doesn't get the right nutrients throughout the day. We need help. Any advice or support will be greatly appreciated. That's from Kevin. Yeah, look, it's very stressful, you know, trying to feed a child that doesn't eat. Um, and, you know, disheartening too when you've prepared food and they just flat out refuse to eat it. I mean, look, there are children who are particularly fussy and some children particularly don't like sense the sensation of different textures, the taste, strong tastes or anything. And you have to gently kind of introduce new foods to them. I mean, um, there are things you could try, like um, if he likes blueberries and strawberries, you know, doing smoothies and you could sneakily put some things in that, you know, like yogurt or um, some LSA or some, you know, some things that can kind of bulk out the, the nutrients within the smoothie and maybe some other fruit that doesn't taste particularly strong or even some vegetables, you know, um, celery or something. Um, but I would, you know, I would present food on the plate, even if he doesn't sort of taste it, but to just so that it's, he sees it and, you know, maybe ask him to smell it um, maybe help you prepare the food as well so he can see that, you know, if you're chopping the carrot, where they come from, you know, and get him involved in perhaps the, the, the cooking or watching you do it and then asking him to help or taste a little bit, you know, maybe raw carrot as opposed to cooked carrot, you know, sometimes giving him different options or is good. Um, it's very hard to not get stressed, but I would say try not to get stressed because when you create an issue around food, it becomes an issue for the child and we, we don't want, you know, to add to any other kind of food-related issues that they may, you know, grow up with anyway, you know. So try to remain calm. I mean, you could always talk to a dietitian um, for specific kind of things um, if you're really worried. I mean, and if he's not gaining weight or they would, they would be the things I would be looking at. Um, children do, toddlers are notoriously bad at eating, you know, and they push back and that's what they're designed to do. That's their age. They're designed to start to assert their independence. So, you know, giving him pasta, that's what he likes, but also having an option for something else, you know, on the side um, is a good way for him to at least see it, um, you know. Uh, but like I say, it, it is really stressful. I don't have any magical kind of, you know, tricks or techniques 
because you're dealing with a little person who, you know, and you don't want to, you can't force them to eat when they don't want to eat. But I would look at sort of doing things like that, smoothies or, um, you know, introducing some yogurt into the food, flavoured yogurt even, you know, that he might enjoy. Um, but getting him involved in the prep as well, often that, that can really help. Um, yeah. Can I share my non-expert Please, please. Yeah. So what I would say to Kevin, Kevin, is um, <laughs> don't give up because mm. my daughter started being fussy at that age and everyone, so many um, dietitians that I interviewed said exactly what you said, Joe, about um, offering stuff on the side. So giving them something they like, but always offering options. Mm. And the only thing I kept offering them was both my kids was broccoli because it's my favorite vegetable. And I thought, I don't care. You just, I'm just going to put it there. And they were right. Like they, that's one of the veggies that they will eat without question now because I just persisted, but I didn't persist with anything else. And this, and we're still cooking two meals and they're six and eight now. So I would just say, listen to the advice. I mean, obviously you haven't asked Joe for not to listen to it, but um, don't, don't give up because um, over time, if you keep, putting it out there then yeah it makes a huge difference but I mean all my kids eat a broccoli that's it yeah no that's absolutely true like I said you know toddlers are you know tricky and they do get through that phase but if if they haven't been presented with the food then they won't be interested in it you know it's yeah. like even just seeing it smelling it talking about it you know and trying help. it my kids trying it right. yeah. well my son does because we learned with my daughter poor eldest child right <laughs> all the lessons on her Mm. Well, anyway, good luck, Kevin. Yeah, Please, I hope you persist and I hope it goes well for you because I am so sick of doing two meals every night. Mm. Um, this is a question from Rachel on Facebook Live. She says, hi, Joe. My three-year-old daughter has decided she doesn't like to wear a pull-up nappy to bed. The problem is that she rarely wakes with a dry nappy. I have tried prizes, sticker chart, etc. I take her to the toilet before bed and wake her up around 10 for the toilet. She's very stubborn. I'm looking for help. Thanks from a very tired mum. Bet you are, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. Well, if she refuses, I guess there's nothing, you know. I mean, you can't, <laughs> I mean, you could forcibly put one on her, but then she'll probably take it off, right? Um, like maybe you could, uh, you know, get some, uh, I don't know, I was going to say undies and put sort of like a pad in there or something, you know. I don't know. Like maybe she wants to wear grown-up girl undies or something, if you can work around with that. But I think, you know, it will come. And, and kids are, you know, if she doesn't want to, then, you know, she doesn't want to. And it might mean that she's almost there, you know, like we just have to kind of, you know, do whatever you can. And I'm sure you do, you know, have the, the plastic covering on the sheet or whatever, you know, those umbrella blanket. yeah those blanket things that so they yeah. don't have to change the whole thing every time and you know toileting her before you go to bed is also helpful restricting what she's drinking you know before bedtime as well making sure she's not having big drinks of milk or water before bedtime um you know it's another toddler issue you know um and it's not a bad thing to be wanting her wanting to, to do that so you know i I don't know what else, you know, I wouldn't sort of be discouraging that within her, you know. Um, Can I ask Jo, if um, she does 
let her wear undies to bed and she's wetting herself. Is that anything to be worried about in terms of her always waking up wet? Like, and I mean, obviously there's the angst of having to do that at night, like change the whole bed sheets and that is just a pain in the butt. Mm. But in terms of the little girl waking up wet, is there any problems with that if she's doing it consistently? Like, I know your background's mental mental health for children as well. It shouldn't just... be. In fact, it it would perhaps they do, you know there is a thought that you know if they wake up wet, feeling wet, they don't like it, and so she might go back into the pull up, you know, because they don't feel the wet in the pull up. But um, if they do feel the wet, um, sometimes it, it triggers something, you know. But night. Um, toilet training is slightly different today toilet training in that you need this hormone to be released that reduces the amount of wee you produce overnight um, so that you know we don't wee as much during the night as we do during the day and so we don't wet, wet the bed or have to get up all night so and some for some children that happens uh, later than others which is why the nighttime toilet training can take a bit longer um, so, you know, it's not probably a, a conscious thought for her. It's a thing that needs to be triggered within her own physiology as well. You know, so doing those behavioural things around trying to get her to stay dry might not work. She is only three, like she's not 10, you know. So, um, you know, and encouraging her to wear the nappy or the pull-up you know, that is something you can try and work on. But it sounds like they've tried, you know, star charts and, you know, bribing and, you know, all those things. And, you know, when they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, again, I don't have a magic solution. Um, it's the nature of having toddlers. She will get past it. She will get toilet trained. You know, um, I would try to do all the other things around it to, to, to limit, um, you know, her. Those umbrella blankets, they're the bomb. Because there are some, are they? Put, they call them umbrella, umbrella sheets and covers. And the ones we got, they were soft enough, like they're waterproof, but they were soft yeah. enough that you could put them over the sheets, yeah. over the under sheets. So like you say, they wet the bed, you just take it off, chuck yeah. it. Somewhere. That's what friends of mine have got, and I've yeah. done that. And they've they've had issues with night wedding um, that have got it's gone on and on. And it's so simple; it's like you know that size, and you just put it over where they sleep, and you just whip it off. And, yeah, in the middle of oh, the night. they're the best things ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, and you know, look on the reward chart. Do the kind of make sure she doesn't drink, and you know, make sure she does a wee before bed, and then maybe another wee. And you know, you could put on a couple of pairs of undies too, if she, if that's what she's into. And you know, but good luck. I know it's um, painful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a question from Alicia in our helpline group. She says, my son is almost 12 months old. We've been working with a sleep consultant for the past month and have successfully got him sleeping through. However, we can't break the 5am wake up habit. I go in and start the resettle every morning using the in and out method as per her instructions. It's a battle until 6.30am when I finally give in and get him up. She says morning should be between 6.30 and 7 and so to persist until then. He goes to bed between 7 and 7.30 p.m. and stays asleep until 5.15 5 a.m. He will self-settle quickly if he wakes during the night. 
I don't know what to do and I'm convinced, convinced the sleep consultant doesn't believe I'm following her advice. <laughs> I'm exhausted and this morning ritual has been going on like this and this morning ritual has been going on like this for over four weeks now. He's so distressed while doing the resettle and just super awake at this time. His day naps are perfect. Any tips or tricks would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Thanks, Joe. Yes. Well, again, you know, some kids are just early morning risers and boys are notorious for that. You know, 5am is not an unacceptable time for a a baby or a toddler to wake up, particularly if they've been in bed since seven, you know. Um, So I think it's unreasonable for you and for him to be spending an hour and a half every morning, you know, torturing yourselves doing that. I would just abandon that, you know. And I would just get him up and start your day. I mean, the things you can try if you haven't already, but it sounds like, you know, you've done the resettling, that's not working. Um, you can just check how much day sleep he's getting so that he's not getting too much. Um, 12 months, uh, he should be sort of having about two to two and a half hours in the day. Anything more might be too much. So you could try by sort of reducing that. Uh, make sure he's not going to bed too late, so you know, or too tired. It sounds like between seven and seven thirty is fine. I would have him asleep by seven, you know, if you can, because that can sometimes help um, when they go to bed too late or too tired. Like we mentioned earlier, they shorten their night's sleep. It's a bit counterintuitive, but that does um, happen. So I think um, they're the things I would focus on. Um, but again, as I say, there are, you know countless young children waking up at 5am and that's just what they do you know um so (laughs) it's not going to be forever and when he gets to a point where he can amuse himself till 6 or 6 30 when you're able when you can get up you know there are things you can do but i think um you know i think it's unreasonable to set a deadline of 6:30 to 7 you know i just think it's unreasonable we're not robots and they're not robots so yeah become a morning person the morning's a great yeah. time of the day even though he <laughs> doesn't like it it is a good good time to be up and doing things yeah. um, anyway good luck it, it is tough alicia and we yeah. hope that helps um, we have an email from nor she says, hi, Joe. my baby is eight weeks old. She'll go to bed around 9.30, 10 after a bottle bath and another bottle routine. Then she wakes up at 1.15 a.m. and from there wakes up every hour for the rest of the night to feed. It is getting exhausting and overwhelming. She is exclusively formula fed and takes about 90 mils each feeding. Is there anything I can do to get her sleeping for longer stretches at night? Please help. So, how, sorry, how old was she? Eight, Eight weeks? weeks? And she's going to bed at 9 or 10 at night. 9.30 till 10. Yeah. yeah, so I would try and bring that back, actually. I would um, be uh, trying to put her down for the night sort of around 7, 7.30. Um, sorry, something's happening to my computer. Um, and uh, I would, uh, yeah, just be... Working on that, um, and so having a, be- a, a sort of routine bedtime um, of sort of seven seven thirty, um, and then maybe and then trying to stretch the feeds out to four hourly if you can overnight if she's bottle fed, and maybe try to up her um, up her quota of milk. So you know, 
during the day. So she's getting more milk. So, it, it, you know, I mean, I'm not quite sure how much she weighs, but 90 mils sounds quite a small amount for an eight-week-old. I would think she'd be up to maybe 120 to 150 mils. Um, and then so, sort of try to keep the feeds during the day to three hourly and try to stretch them out to four hourly overnight if you can. Yeah. We probably have time for one or two more questions. Let's see how much we can fit in. This one's from Sally. It's from our Facebook inbox. She says, hi, Joe. how can I help my two and a half year old learn that hitting her one year old sister is not good? I'd love any tips for this challenging stage. Thank you. It is challenging and, you know, it's very common, obviously. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of stuff written about how to sort of, I mean, I, I don't think sort of punitive or, you know, timing out or anything like that sort of works. I think it's trying to, what you want to do is sort of show empathy or instill some empathy in your child, you know, so punishing or um, is not really a great way to do that, but sort of natural consequences, you know, are good. So, you know, removing, um, I, I, well, I think, you know, if she's hitting her with something, then obviously you remove that and you take that away, whatever she's using. And just, ex um, you know, I think often going to the, the sibling and comforting her or that the child first, as opposed to telling off the older child, you know, so that the older child can see that, oh, you know, what I'm, you know, mummy's attention is on her when she's trying to get, you know, your attention, obviously. So, you know, and just keep talking to her about it. We don't do that. That hurts her feelings. You know, that hurts my feelings. You know, I don't, I don't like it when you do that sort of those kind of things. And, um, you know, just reinforcing that over and over again, she will get through it. It's just a frustration phase as well, particularly because your attention is probably on the child and she wants your attention. So also try to make some one-on-one -on -one time with your older child um, throughout the day when the younger one is not around, like when she's in bed. And actually, instead of doing all those things that we need to do, you know, when the children are sleeping, maybe just sit down and have half an hour, one-on-one -on -one undivided attention with your older, with the older child um, can really help kind of them feel like they're getting your attention and often the acting out sort of tends to settle down a bit. I am going to be cheeky and try and squeeze one more in. Um, this one's from Ashley from our helpline group. She says, hi, Joe. my little girl is six and a half months. Would any ear pulling indicate a sore ear or is it more likely to be a teething thing? Well, it's generally about teething, but there are other things that, well, it's not generally about teething. It can be teething. It can also be a sore ear. So it's very hard for me to sort of know what's going on. But, you know, if it's teething, there's often other symptoms that go along with that. There might be extra drooling. You might be able to see um, the gum is quite uh, tight and maybe white-ish. There might be a lump on the gum. Uh, she might be biting down quite hard on things. She might be um, not wanting spoons or bottle teats, if that's what you're doing, anything in her mouth or near her mouth. Um, but, you know, if she's unwell, so it would normally if it's an ear infection or something like that, it would come along with a temperature and she would be unwell. So, but obviously any concerns like that, you probably would need to get her checked out by your GP. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Joe. We've definitely run out of time now. <laughs> thank you for answering all of those questions. Okay. And I should mention, I'll mention again how you can get your questions through to us. So you can send your questions through to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Next week, we'll be joined by Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue. She'll be able to answer your questions then. Joe is one of our experts at the Babyology Sleep School. So um, you can book in with Joe and get on one-on-one -on -one if you weren't able to get your question through to us today. We'll put links in the notes of both the podcast episode and on this Facebook Live. So if you want to have a consult with Joe, you can do that. We have other experts. Um, Joe, have a fabulous week and I'll see everyone next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.